is Matt Leiner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USC is 5-7 and, and not going to a ball. Oh, all right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 314. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including new Brew McCoy rumors and whether or not he could be transferring to USC. Yeah, transferring to USC from Texas after going to Texas from USC. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, we're going to talk about that, take your listener questions, and so much more here on this episode as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is the summer. It is definitely, surely, 100% the summer. I don't care what uh, what the calendar says. Uh, after Memorial Day, it is summertime, which means college football, kind of around the corner. And this is that time of year where we start doing this stupid trope on this podcast, talking about, can you believe it's almost June already? Well, it is almost June already. Uh, honestly, though, my mind has been totally and completely... Taken up by what happens on June 1st, which is a soccer thing that no one on this podcast wants to hear about. Uh, but once that's done, once that milestone has been reached, then, yeah, it really will be just looking forward to, well, okay, how far away are we from Pac-12 Media Day? And how far away are we from fall camp starting? And all of those kinds of things. And I mean, on RadioTroy.com right now, we're running daily countdown to kickoff things looking at at uh, how many days there are left until kickoff so the the countdown is very much real but uh for me personally june 2nd is when it really begins yeah it's been an interesting off season for me because i was back home in la in the middle of march and then i was gonna go the first week of may and i counted it and there's gonna be exactly six weeks until then i went out there at the beginning of may and then i counted it and then it's going to be exactly six weeks from then until I go on my trip to Nashville and Huntsville. Um, and then it's going to be exactly six weeks from then until media day. And then from media day until the first week of the year, it's like exactly six weeks again. So my whole off season has been in six week increments. And that's kind of made things go by pretty quick. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, you sort of take, like I said, you, you take little milestones as they come. And eventually, eventually the, the year moves quickly enough that you get back to football. So the next one, the next one will come. And, and then before you know it, we'll be at August 30th and looking back and thinking like, wow, geez, where did the first eight months of this year go? Yeah, we'll be starting the podcast saying, can you believe it's already game week and all that kind of stuff? So look forward to that. I know it's an annoying thing that we do every single off season. Um, you probably hate it as much as we do. I get it. I get it. But 
If you like it, you might want to listen to more of us, like over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy, where you can get all of our bonus episodes. Uh, we dropped a snap take this week in which, Alicia, you invited me on your podcast to do that. I was, I was stunned. I was, re- I was I- really stunned. I deigned to include you in one of the SnapTech podcasts. It, it was shocking that you actually asked me to be on. I, I was shocked. Br- Brew McCoy and his ilk uh, did did you a solid by having this news drop on Memorial Day, a day when you are home from work. So there you it's go. True. This is this is definitely true. And uh, so yeah, you can go listen to the SnapTech over there. We're doing a lot of stuff over on Patreon. We're looking to record our Superstitions podcast this week. So we're still out there looking for more emails and calls and whatnot. If you have USC Superstitions or any weird things you've done in the name of the Trojans, let us know. Our email address is randomtroyfansi.com. Phone number 213-373-1872. That'll be on Patreon along with some Rotbots choices as well here as we get ready for the season, which again is suddenly right around the corner until then let's talk about brew mccoy right now uh here on this episode and talk about the news up next According to joint reports from 24-7 Sports, both the USC side of things at uscfootball.com and the Texas side of things at Horns 24-7, uh, Brew McCoy is apparently considering a transfer from Texas to USC. This comes, you know, less than five months, four months, uh, since he transferred from USC to Texas. It's been a wild ride. It's been an absolutely crazy, crazy few months for Brew McCoy, uh, stemming back from uh, November 25th, the day after USC loses to Notre Dame. SC goes on an in-home visit from him. Texas had two in-home visits before signing day. They really tried to get him. USC ends up hiring uh, Cliff Kingsbury to be the offensive uh, coordinator. Things were looking good for USC. They sign Brew McCoy the very next day uh, after he enrolls at USC as an early enrollee. Cliff Kingsbury leaves for the Arizona Cardinals. Two weeks later, Brew McCoy transfers to Texas. And yet, here we are, four months later, and Brew McCoy is apparently wanting to be a Trojan again after potentially spending a semester abroad in Texas. Yeah, it was it was quite a semester abroad where he must have gorged himself on Texas barbecue and then realized that, uh, you know, that's not the only thing in life worth living. So... This is, is, is this not one of the most bizarre stories? Like, it's a bizarre story that's very on brand, given that the transfer portal has basically dominated the last year of college football, right? And this is like the culmination of all of the transfer portal weirdness that's been going on. Now you have a player who signs, transfers, and then is now apparently in the process of transferring out back to the school that you originally signed in. Like you just, you, you couldn't, you couldn't write this stuff. You couldn't like predict it. People would say like, this is too outrageous. And yet this is exactly what is happening. So, you know, we'll see. There is a, still a universe where he stays at Texas. Uh, just like there was a universe in that week when Brew McCoy was, you know, the rumors first hit that he was considering transferring uh, from USC to Texas. There, the, there were like the reports saying, well, you know, Clay Helton's going to have a meeting with him and 
you know, have a Hail Mary to try and keep him or whatever. And obviously we know how that turned out. Well, that's kind of what's going around now is, you know, oh, Tom Herman's going to try to talk to him and see if they can convince him to come back to Texas. So there is there is still a universe where that does happen this time. Uh, but I don't know. It just feels like once this cat is out of the bag, can he really not? <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I don't this is uncharted territory. So I don't know how people are supposed to react to this kind of thing. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, a few years ago we saw it with Eddie Vanderdose, where he went from he signed at Notre Dame uh, and then transferred to UCLA and then ended up playing immediately. Brew McCoy was essentially doing the same thing, uh, even though he enrolled at USC and then you know left you know, a couple weeks later. But we've never seen someone go back to where they started like this, uh, which is just weird. I mean, we see this in the recruiting sense. A lot where, you know, players flip and, and whatnot, and sometimes they end up going back to the school that they originally committed to. Uh, Bubba Bolden was someone who was committed to USC, decommitted, ended up coming back and, and whatnot. But you you never really see it in terms of transfers, which makes it very weird. And this whole offseason has been strange when you include guys like uh, like Chris Steele, who is in the midst of transferring to, to Oregon after leaving Florida and all the drama that was around there. So many things have been so bizarre uh, with the transfer portal and with the recruiting class for 2019 that it's crazy to think that when this is all said and done, SC could have signed three top four California recruits. Yeah, which would per- certainly put a different spin on that 2019 recruiting class, which well, was... Yeah, well, two of the th- two of those three signees would be Brew McCoy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which well, would be and weird, the, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the, but at this point, like at this point, everything everything about it is weird. So basically, if you're USC, you just sort of want the end result to be Brew McCoy in Cardinal and Gold, right? Like, however it happens, what USC ult- what is ultimately best for USC is getting Brew McCoy back because. Make no mistake about it, the the kid is an an elite elite level college prospect. Um, at receiver and at linebacker. So USC could certainly use him. Like, there's no question that he would strengthen USC's program. I, I think in the in the 2019 recruiting class, like, now that this is out, you're going to hear a lot of people, and at the time, you know, there were USC fans who were shrugging him off as like, oh, he's not a big deal, whatever, he's drama when he left for Texas. And now all the Texas people are talking about his drama and all this kind of stuff. Like, regardless of what's going on in his head, he is still a really, really, really gifted athlete who I think a lot of people would have told you coming out of 2019 is one of the sure, sure things in the class as far as somebody who will perform at the college level. So for USC, it's just, you know, all's well that ends well, get him in. And it doesn't really matter how it all came about. You just you want him there. But at the same time, like, you know, I talked about this on the snap take, like I'm torn about this because it's like. As a fan, I don't like the idea of players who didn't really want to be Trojans in the first place and and all of that. Like those kinds of feelings are very much alive in me, even if the practical, rational side of me is also sitting there going like, yeah, but, you know, once once he's back on the team, none of this matters. What matters is what he does going forward. So it, it's I don't know the whole the whole situation 
It's just hard to process. Yeah, that happens when something happens that you've never seen before, right? You don't know how to react to it. Uh, we did get a tweet from Monica who says, when a player transfers out using NCAA's transfer portal and goes to another university for a semester and then wants to come back to play at the original university they left, do they have to wait a year to play? This is kind of the big question with Brew McCoy if he ends up actually signing back at USC again. What does it mean for his eligibility? Will he be able to play immediately or not? I don't think anyone really has the answer. Uh, the assumption is that you would have to assume that he will have to sit out. Um, yes, there's been a lot of players who have gotten immediate eligibility with waivers. We've seen that with Tate Martell going to Miami. We've seen it with um, with uh, Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. But this is a sort of a different situation. And does him going back to USC make it more likely or less likely likely because it's the second transfer? I don't know. Either way, I think that if you're USC, you have to kind of prepare for him to be sitting out. Yeah, just because it's the NCAA, you can't ever really bank on the NCAA doing something that'll benefit you. Uh, I, I'm going into this assuming that USC will not have Bert McCoy available in 2019. But at the same time... I can talk myself into a an argument for Brew McCoy where he says that he initially signed with USC anyways and that because he was like an initial counter for USC and all that kind of stuff that in in and especially because it would mean going back home and given what was going on with USC with the Cliff Kingsbury thing he could argue and USC's coaching staff and all this kind of stuff like he I don't know I suppose he could make an argument I don't know if the NCAA would listen to that argument but like you talked about there have been some waivers that have been given that have felt questionable for sure and this is a, an a situation that is new like I don't we don't necessarily have like case law to look at as far as what happened to the last kid who did a double transfer in the span of five months Uh, we just don't have that to fall back on so it's it's going to be whatever the NCAA decides that they want to rule that's what they're going to rule but uh, I, I as as I said I always assume that the NCAA will not make it easy so Brew McCoy is probably going to have to sit out the year yeah, and I just do want to state that, you know, this isn't a for sure thing that's happening yet. Uh, it's still just in the consideration stage at this point with the reports from 24-7 Sports on both the USC and Texas side. So, hold on, we might get a full word con- confirmation either way later in the week, but at this point, it's not 100%. But if it's 100% that Brew McCoy ends up coming to USC, maybe this is a hot take, but... I think that if there's a year for him to sit out, this would be it at USC, right? Like, I understand that, you know, the the Graham Harrell offense uh, is predicated on having a lot of wide receivers and all that stuff, and Brew McCoy is a five-star receiver out of modern day, someone you'd love to have in your receiving core immediately. It does help that you have Tyler Vons, and it does help that you have Michael Pittman, Two guys who you can assume are are gone after this season since Michael Pittman is going to be a true senior and Tyler Vons is going to be an academic senior and redshirt junior um, this upcoming season. Yeah, you can certainly make that case. Um, the, the, I guess the other side of it is if he were available, he would absolutely play and he would absolutely contribute. And I don't know if he would 
contribute a ton given that what you expect from Pittman and Vaughn's and Amon Ross St. Brown and Devin Williams and all those guys, but he would definitely be a contributor. Um, I, I, I get what you're saying though, in the sense that this is next year is the year you really want him like this year. He could be a slight help, but next year he could be USC's leading receiver. Uh, that's that's yeah. sort of what's at stake for 2020 as, as, as far as getting Drew McCoy back in the fold. Um, so they're him being ineligible to play in 2019. Should this all go down? It's not a make or break kind of decision, I think, is is maybe the best way to put it. Yeah, it would suck. It wouldn't be detrimental. I, I would yeah, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. I, and mind you, yeah, he absolutely would, would be able to contribute for USC given how many guys they've lost to transfer. Your Trevon Sidneys and your Randall Grimeses and your Josh Bebe's and all those guys that have gone on, um, you absolutely would love to have him in the receiving core. Uh, it's just that next year is more important more than anything else. So if he happened to to sit out, at least it wouldn't be the end of the world in that sense. Moving on, let's talk about some other news uh, around the NCAA. Uh, the California Senate passed a bill, Bill 206, to pass the Senate with a 34 to 1 margin. Talking about the NCAA and uh, likenesses, this comes after the NCAA announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, that they were forming a working group to consider how its rules can be modified to allow college athletes to be compensated for their names, images, and likenesses. That quoted from an article in ESPN uh, on May 14th. But this California State Senate bill is interesting because it would take effect in 2023, and it, it details that college athletes would be at both public and private universities throughout the state be allowed to be compensated for the use of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, according to John Wilner of the Mercury News, the bill does not allow schools to compensate athletes directly. Rather, it would permit USC quarterback JT Daniels to be paid, for example, for endorsing Toyota of Anaheim. It would also prohibit the NCAA from banning California colleges and universities from intercollegiate sports if their athletes sign sponsorship deals. would also allow college athletes to hire sports agents and bar colleges and universities from signing high school students to sponsorship deals as a recruiting tool. Alicia, this seems to be a step in the right direction, both for Sacramento putting this you know, pen to paper here, but also for the NCAA, you know, a, a week earlier announcing that they were starting to look in this themselves. Yeah, I don't think this is a coincidence at all. Um, I think it's this is the solution to the amateurism problem. It really is. Uh, I think there are two solutions. One of them involves outright paying players and one of them doesn't. And based on what the NCAA seems to be uncomfortable with, which is the outright pl- paying of players, then this is really the only realistic way to go which is the the sponsorship thing, which I think makes a lot of sense because this is the Olympic model. So if you can just, if the NCAA can just pass it off as the Olympic model, I think they could, you know, get around their whole misgiving about paying athletes, paying student athletes and all of this kind of whatever uh, lingo that they want to use and still be able to have athletes being compensated I think it's a complicated issue because, as you you mentioned, that this legislation from California would bar colleges and universities from 
signing high school students to sponsorship deals as a recruiting tool. Well, how do you regulate that? Like, I always think about the, um, the in Friday Night Lights, the car car dealer owner guy, the, uh, the, that character. Like, I always just think about him. His name was Buddy or whatever. And like, uh, I always Buddy think Garrity. Yeah. Buddy Garrity. Yeah. I always think about him like, but Texas's version of Buddy Garrity, the guy who owns a car dealership and make sure that uh, or, or USC's version of, of Buddy Garrity, whoever owns Keys on Van Eyes is a big USC fan. And, you know, JT Daniels understands that if he signs with USC, he's going to get that Keys on Van Eyes sponsorship like. I wonder how they would regulate that kind of thing, but it, it would it would have to be an understanding that's not official, right? Like yeah, like, like you couldn't have uh, Phil Knight showing up on campus at Oregon and, and being like, "By the way, uh, you know, if you sign here, you're gonna get that lifetime contract." But you but. could have a situation in which Nike reached out to an Oregon athlete, um, you know, and and paid him for his likeness that way well you could have a situation where every athlete that is choosing between usc and oregon knows that if they go to oregon they're on the nike train um which again i don't think that's enough of a problem like i don't know if that's enough of a hurdle for me to be against this idea of going to the olympic model which i generally support um, but it, it is something that that I think they will have to take into account the complication of moving to moving to this. But the fact that California is moving forward with this, like, I don't think that means that USC is all of a sudden going to have JT Daniels endorse Toyota of Anaheim and get paid for it. Um, but but it's definitely one of those things that's like the EA uh, lawsuit uh, that that unfortunately ended up in the, the death of the NCAA sports f- uh, video game franchise. That lawsuit was a step just to push the NCAA towards considering these kinds of things. Um, the Northwestern uh, union unionization thing, I think it was Northwestern, right? Uh, where that was that that wasn't necessarily meant to be the end game. It was meant to push the conversation and push the NCAA to have to consider these things. So I think California is doing this in an effort to push the conversation and sort of push the the NCAA to recognize that they have to change their model in order for their model to continue. And I think it's gonna, you know, gonna be very, very interesting time. But I do think the end game of this all is athletes getting paid in in one way or another, probably most likely through their name, image, and likeness. And my favorite idea behind all of this is then what do you do? You go to EA, you say we want to have a video game and then every athlete on USC's team gets a little cut. Maybe it's, you know, cents on the dollar, but it's at least it's a little cut from the NCAA video game uh, in the same way that I believe that, like, NFL football players all get a little bit of the of the deal that they have with, with that. So I'm here for it. Yeah, without a doubt. I would freaking love that. I, I'd be all for that if the NCAA was able to drop a game ASAP, uh, maybe as early as next year, if they're able to, you know, look into this likeness stuff and get something going, and have it all above board. That's the key. Have it all above board, have everything, you know, out in the open, and and legal in a fair way, and that's all people are asking for. Um, yeah, it could open a can of worms where you have these, these boosters and these companies interfering things, but that's always going to be 
uh, a concern. Tampering and and you know integrity is always going to be a question, no matter what the rules are. So you're just going to have to deal with that, and I think that's fine. It's interesting also to think about the implications that this has for the sport of college football. In the sense that, like, I wonder if if they ultimately do go forward with this kind of idea, does it I, – I actually think it probably makes college football better because I think it incentivizes a lot of players who aren't NFL um, prototypical kind of guys to stay in school for that senior year if they're the star player on the team uh, or if they're a player who's getting an endorsement and getting something back. Uh, instead of scraping by financially, because if they're, you know, if they're not, if their family isn't, isn't able to, uh, you know, provide them a, a comfortable lifestyle, if, if they're getting some sort of endorsement and that can help get them through that last year of college in, in more comfort, then you, I think you end up with players sticking around longer or having less incentive to leave. And that means you get more players who see out the four years of their career. And that means you get more players who, you get to enjoy for the four years of their career. Like, I, I think the NCAA is really, uh, they're afraid for their model because it's been a really, really f- lucrative kind of model to not have to pay their workforce. But this is a really good compromise that I think is ultimately better for the NCAA in the long run, better for the product that they're putting on the field. They wouldn't say that it's a product, but it absolutely is a product. and. That that like I'm almost looking forward to that too. The idea of more seniors sticking around, and I don't think everyone would stick around because the NFL is obviously going to offer more than any sponsorship could uh, at the at the NCAA level. But you got to believe there are those guys. Like I was thinking of guys like Hunter Renfro, and I, I I know he came back for his like senior season, but like those kinds of guys who aren't made for the NFL, who are going to struggle to get drafted, but are great college football players, uh, giving them more incentive to come back because they can be great college football players, I think is ultimately a really good thing. Well, I think of someone like Deontay Burnett, right? Because oh, yeah. Deontay Burnett, I mean, we always thought he would get drafted, but we knew that he wasn't going to be a first round guy. He was probably going to be a day three guy, no matter what. Um, he's someone, maybe if he was making a hundred thousand dollars by pitching cars from Norm Reeves, Honda superstore, yeah. <laughs> uh, that maybe that would, that would help out. Who knows? You, you never know. Um, either way, this is a good step for the NCAA, uh, in, in the right direction. It's just a matter of coming through with it. Right. And, um, for this California Senate thing, I think it's going to be interesting to see, how it potentially changes um, depending on what the NCAA does because this thing takes effect in 2023. So it, it's it's a while. And, and I have to imagine the NCAA will either have doubled down on their position that they have now or completely change things by 2023. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, it, it will. I think it will all be, we will know what direction this is headed in the next four years for sure 100 percent. uh let's get to a bunch of listener questions number we'll the mailbag next you've got mail 
All right, Alicia, let's open up the mailbag with an email we got from Brandon in San Diego. Hi, Michael and Alicia. This is Brandon from San Diego. I just want to comment on how Brew McCoy might transfer back to USC. I don't blame the kid. He's a 17 or 18-year-old just looking for a home where he feels comfortable, even though going back and forth is very immature. Hopefully he learns what he is doing is not right, but I would support him if he comes back to USC. Thank you and fight on. Um, Alicia, the, the sentiment I think is, is an interesting one because I think there's a lot of people who are uncomfortable with the idea of going back and forth, um, because on the surface that's off putting, right? But at the same point, a, as a fan, you're going to root for whoever scores a touchdown. If it doesn't matter what happens, um, and in the grand scheme of things, someone, Leaving and then coming back, tra- a transfer is nowhere near as skeevy as things could be. You know, we live in a world where, you know, there's legitimately controversial athletes out there playing sports. Brew McCoy is not a controversial athlete. It's just that he's made a couple of decisions here that make people maybe question his commitment to a school or whatnot. I, I, I just think this is one of those things that will be just completely go away once he gets entrenched at, at USC or at Texas, wherever it ends up being the case, and people are going to support him no, no matter what in that sense. Oh, for sure. The the transfer thing, the flip-flopping, will just be part of the narrative around what he does if he ends up failing. Like, if he ends up being a bus, then that'll be the thing that everyone remembers him for. If he goes off and, you know, puts in an all-conference level career, let alone an all-American level career... Then it'll just be a footnote. It, it, you know, he he ultimately controls the narrative. What I think is interesting is, you know, you and I have had conversations about recruiting in the past, where like I'm uncomfortable with the uh, with the flip flopping back and forth, decommitting, committing, decommitting, decommitting thing. And I've always said that like my preference is the guys who commit and then you never hear from them again until signing day. And it's like, oh, great. This is, you know, wonderful. You you, you treated your commitment as like it was a, an engagement uh, where you weren't dating other people. You were engaged and you were getting ready for the wedding and all that kind of stuff. And I think what's happening here, what, I, what I'm going to liken this situation to is basically the misgivings that people had about the recruiting process is just now bleeding into the post-recruiting process because of the nature of the transfer portal because it's the kind of thing where now guys can move with ease and so we're going to see this more and more often in the same way that guys could commit and decommit and commit and decommit because they were ultimately in control of where their signature is going to go this is the new normal this is the new uh sort of extension of that recruiting drama that happens it's just gonna you know it's not it's no longer gonna end when the the signature is on the dotted line which for for us who are observing it is gonna probably do a lot of people's heads in but it's also just the new reality i guess like i'm gonna have to get over it basically like i get over the fact that recruit x y or z decommitted and committed five different times before he ultimately signed for usc right yeah and the other thing is if Cliff Kingsbury is allowed to, you know, go to USC and then leave for Arizona, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, then Brew McCoy should be allowed to do what he's doing. Yeah. So that, that that's the bottom line for me. And 
the the more you know i, I don't want to say rights because rights seems like a weird word here but 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 the more leeway that that the athletes have and, and the more leverage that they get in these situations the more t- often they're going to use it in their fair favor uh and i don't think that's a bad thing oh i agree but i i think that the way that People who are uncomfortable with this, the way that I'm going to choose to process it, and I would encourage other people to choose to process it, is not necessarily to to hold it against Brew McCoy, for instance, that he was, you know, fickle, I guess, is, is maybe the, the way to put it. Uh, maybe, maybe the thing is to appreciate more those athletes who haven't wavered for a second, the ones who are really committed and are really drama free and like just appreciate those guys a little bit more because a lot of kids out there, a lot of 17, 18, 19 year old kids are going to be fickle and flighty and unreliable to a point. So appreciate the ones who are drama free for, for, you know, whatever it's worth. You just have to sort of accept what the nature of this business is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Let's go to a tweet we got from David Orange County. What player besides Brew McCoy would you most prefer change his mind and come back to USC? Hmm, that's a good one. Current? Are we talking current, or like could I throw Jalen Ramsey in there? No, I think we're I think we're talking like actual like plausible ones that kids who have transferred or who have eligibility left. Let's just say eligibility left. Then we can get crazy with it. Huh. Huh. That's tough. That is tough. It's Valus Jones for me. My, I was gonna say Valus Jones or Trayvon Sidney, because I think there's a place for either one of them in this offense. Yeah, it's Valus Jones for me. I, I think that, I, I think USC was right to have the idea to use him creatively last year. I just don't think that they used him creatively in the right ways. Yeah. And I would be really intrigued to see what uh, Graham Harrell could do with them. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I said, there's there's a place in this offense for him uh, to to get a lot of run and to have some really good production. I was trying to think defensively if there's anybody who would make a difference, but like like Levi Jones would be really nice to have. But it's not like he transferred just for transfer sake. Like there was stuff that right. happened. Behind the scenes, there. Yeah, and Levi like, Jones, Bub- Bubba Bolden, and yeah. um, and you know Jose Messina all have things that came. Well, and up. like and Jack Jones and Joseph Lewis, like those are the big time players that USC lost out on. But right. those are also the ones that like there was no alternative. Like it wasn't right. just a you didn't convince them to stay. Like there were good yeah. reasons why it, they're not it here would, anymore. It would feel wrong to say one of those guys. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. So Valus Jones or Trayvon Sidney's probably the right answer. Yeah. Uh, now, if we're talking about players who don't have eligibility, Jalen Ramsey is your pick. Probably. Um, oh, um, um, not carrying the line. Uh, that is a good. That is a good shout, Michael. That is a good shout. I was gonna say um, Malik um, Jackson, from Malik Jackson, but th- again, that was another situation where it's not like, <laughs> like it's not he had, like he had a free he transfer just, because of the yeah. sanctions. Yeah, 
Yeah, so there were like other circumstances there. I but... believe it was just him and Blake Ailes were the only players that actually used it. Yeah. Oh, and people thought there would be like a mass exodus because SE was going to have juniors and seniors be able to have free immediate transfers and only two players what about, ended up using it. What about Jarvis Jones? Jarvis Jones was who I was going to say because th- there is a realistic, there was an alternate you know, universe that is extremely close to, a, to happening where SC could have had Jarvis Jones, Manti Teo, and Vontae's Perfect as their three linebackers. <laughs> oh, man. And Jarvis Jones is probably the most heartbreaking of those because if I remember no, correctly, no, oh, USC I, I think just... Frankie Telfort would be the most heartbreaking. Well, the, the heartbreaking because he wasn't able to play. But no, Jarvis Jones was not medically cleared, but then he got medically cleared to play at Georgia. And he ended up... It was Georgia, right? Where he just ended up going yeah, and Georgia. being fine. He was so, an All-American, yeah. Yeah, so Frankie Telford was, was heartbreaking because he literally couldn't go on to play. Because but like heart, Jarvis yes. Jones, it, it felt like a different kind of situation because obviously he could play. And obviously he could yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> a, a yeah. wild situation, that 2009 class for sure for USC. Uh, let's go to a question we got in an email from John John in Cape Town. Are the New York Jets the new home for the USC Progens? Being Jersey-born, it's quite exciting to see Sam, Leonard Williams, Chuma, Doga, and Toa Lobandon officially on the roster. Uh, if they are averaging one or two Trojans a year, who would you like to see them draft from the 2019 and 2020 drafts to help Sam Darnold get to the next level? Fight on John John in Cape Town and J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Oh, I like this question. I like this question. I'm going with, in 2019, Michael Pittman. 2020. And, oh yeah, sorry. Tw- so 20, tw- I'm, I'm assuming he means the next two drafts. Yeah, the next two drafts. So, 2020 so tw- and 2021. So 2020 is Michael Pittman. And 2021, who would be eligible for 2020? 2021 could be like J2 Fele. That's not a bad one. Uh, that's that's a pretty pretty solid one. Um, Talanoa Hufanga. Get... Oh, I like it. I like it. I, I'll I'll go I'll go uh, in another direction, and I go Vavai Malapai, <laughs> but he's my dude. So okay, know. whatever. Uh, yeah, you and you and your Vavai. Um, I I I'm I'm sorry, John John, but I do not like. A New York team, and I know they're, they that they play in Jersey, but a team repping New York to be USC's pro team. Feels sacrilegious to me. LA's college football team should not be a farm team for a New York football team. <laughs> really fair. upsetting. But I'd prefer that than the Rams, so I don't know. Haterade. Why can't they just be a feeder to the Jags? <laughs> we, we have Marquise Lee, uh, you know, R.J. Sauer didn't work out particularly well, for sure. I don't know. Uh, let's get a tweet from David Orange County, though, who says, which would you prefer? Helton gets canned at the end of the season, or Slin Swan hires Urban Meyer, and Swan gets a five-year contract extension because of it? Or, 
So that was all one scenario. Or scenario two, Helton wins eight games and gets an extension, but Swan gets canned. Oh, that's, um, that is, so to recap, Helton gets fired, Swan gets Urban Meyer and a five-year extension. Yeah. Or Helton stays and gets an extension, but Lynn Swan gets fired. Stays with eight wins. I think that's very plausible, actually. So I, I th- the the what makes this difficult is the eight wins because I think if Helton stays, and I know this is going to be very controversial to say, if Helton stays, he's getting an extension. Be ready for that. Oh yeah, because of recruiting and because, because of recruiting, he do. will be getting an extension. So buckle up, prepare yourself. If Helton stays, he's getting an extension. But I think that extension for Clay Helton is way more palatable if it's based on an 11-win season that's capped off with a win in the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. Than an 8-win season, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, the Fiesta no, Bowl is a playoff, no playoff game, but you know what I mean, the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this scenario, I'm going for the overall health of the athletic department. So I'm going to say clean slate with the AD, even if it means another season of Helton because... I think that new AD means that by 2020, even though Helton survived 2019, if he's not good enough, if he if he won't survive eight wins in 2020 again. So I'll take a new AD and the prospect of a real coaching search that lands on potentially the best candidate out there over the short term. Uh, title chasing of of urban meyer that's a little bit un- which, which results in, in swan getting a five-year extension yeah i tend to agree for two reasons one i've been against usc hiring urban meyer and i'm not going to change my tune now and number two I, I think you have the right perspective that if you're looking at the overall welfare of the athletic department then the newer the the sooner that new ad comes in the, the better, and this would ensure that the new AD, whoever it en- would end up being, would choose Helton's replacement. Yes. Um, even though I I think that if Helton wins eight games and gets an extension, it is not going to be pretty. Um, SC is going to have to dominate those eight games and then have like a key injury like in the last month or even something. Even that. There's going to have Helton, to be some... Helton's getting no benefit of the doubt. No, I agree. But there, in order for me to, to buy into that, there would have to be some, like, you know, Dennis Dixoning going on oh, or for, something. for you. Okay, yeah, yeah. For me. Yes, for me. Yeah, I agree. But the USC, I think the USC fan base at large, or at least the USC fan base that frequents social media, I do not, I am not looking forward to an eight-win season. Let's just put it that way. In which he returns. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Uh, Dave's next question. Uh, if all schedules were open, which team would you prefer to play a home and home with? I think we both agree it's LSU. That's, that was going to be my first thought. LSU, and if you make me pick somebody else, I think Alabama would be really would be really fun as an alternative, but LSU 1,000%. It's LSU or Tennessee for me. Uh, Tennessee, was, yeah, Absolutely. I love Rocky Top, and I want to be able to hear it. That would be great. 
Let's move on to a tweet from Edwin. People posting classic USC highlights make me wonder, what's Sonny Bird doing now? Why don't you see him on the sidelines? He was such a fan favorite. And do you have a favorite Sonny Bird moment? Alicia, do you remember Sonny Bird or was that was that P A D pre Alicia Daratola? Yeah, I, I think it I think it was uh, so I am aware of Sonny Bird, but in the sense that I always just got Sonny Bird mis- like mixed up with Dominique Bird. So I don't <laughs> have a favorite unfathomable, but okay. No, just cause the names like cuz you know unfathomable about the, the last name is both bird that's the only th- like that's not crazy thing they have in common whatever and the team I, that they play for i do not have a favorite sunny bird moment as a as a result so yeah i fail sorry so, i don't know what he's doing now for the record like i i don't know i wouldn't necessarily know if i saw him on the sideline so oh i've seen him <laughs> at a game before i i saw him walking yeah. around once um, there is a link that we were tweeted to his LinkedIn. Um, I, I don't want to out where he works because I don't I don't know if he'd want that out there publicly. Yeah, I, um, but uh, he's he's doing well. We'll just put that put it that way. Um, my favorite Sunny Bird moment is that uh, I remember in in that 2001 season when he became the starting running back. I thought he was awesome. 12-year-old me was like, oh my God, this dude is legit. He's amazing. Thought he was awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of players as you grow up, you go back and you look at their stats and they just don't age well. Sonny Bird is one of those guys. I thought he was the 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 coolest USC running back that I'd ever seen because he was so different and he was an unsung hero and it was so fun to watch and everything. You go back and look at the numbers. <laughs> 20 carries for 63 yards against ASU. 22 carries for 62 yards against Notre Dame. 22 Oof. carries for 67 yards against Arizona. 20 carries for 54 yards against Oregon State. 20 carries for 40 yards against UCLA. That That's some three yards in a cloud of dust kind of numbers. He averaged 2.7 yards per carry. Throughout his career, which is a third of what Reggie Bush averaged. That's a struggle. It is a struggle bus. Uh, That 2001 offense was not pretty for USA at all, Uh, even though Carson Palmer was a junior. uh, It was was definitely a struggle, but um, it was a a fun story. It it was definitely a fun story going from zero to hero. Uh, He had three touchdowns, uh, including two against ASU in that... uh, Twenty uh, two thousand one season, so twenty oh one. Yeah, it was a fun story. I was all about it at the time. Yeah, maybe that's my next throwback Thursday. Sunny there. Bird. There you go. Do it. Who is not Dominic Bird, by the way? Who is not Dominic Bird? No. Yeah. No. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Sean. What game are you looking forward to most this year? Uh, I don't. Uh. This is such a fraud. We're gonna we're gonna have this question many times too over the next. It'll be in few like months. every mailbag for the next two months. And yeah. like I don't know how to answer it because one answer is Fresno State because it's the first. Yeah. Another answer is like Washington because if that goes well for USC, that'll be really fun. But I don't think it will go well for USC, so I'm actually kind of dreading it. So I guess like BYU is gonna be cool. 
Because yeah, it's B- a trip? B- BYU will be a trip. That, that, that's super fun. Um, to me, it's Washington because I've never been to Husky Stadium before um, for a game. I've been there outside. I've stood outside of it and took a picture of it, but I've never been inside for a game. I'm looking forward to that. And I think that that's going to be the big barometer for USC. Um, I say that, though, knowing that if SC limps into that game one and three, then it won't matter what happens in that game. Things will be decided at that point. You know what's killing me about looking ahead to this coming season is really just the sensation of, like, my fan self is looking forward to everything in the same way that I would have in years past. My job self is basically like bracing for impact and it's not allowing me to enjoy anything because because last year was so miserable and when i think of washington i just i just think of like what is twitter gonna be like after usc loses that game like what is twitter gonna be like i shouldn't let the what is twitter gonna be like thing rule or what is the rock comments section gonna look like i shouldn't let that rule my perception of the world because social media is actually like a fraction of what actually what people think and 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 are mm-hmm. hey, if, if social media was legitimately what people think like sharknado would be like the most popular movie of all time <laughs> this is true uh but that's so that's why i have to like remind myself not to let social media rule my perception but at the same time like i live on social media it is my reality and so my cringe level and my bracing for the negativity, the negative whirlwind that will come the moment that USC loses a game has me basically like cowering in fear for the coming of the season yeah. because the season could be great, but the season could also become really, really, really miserable for me personally, which you know, is, is, is not necessarily the best way to look at it, but that's like, I can't help but think about like, what, what game am I looking forward to most? Like, I can't help but think of like this um, until USC Twitter gets a hold of it and then they'll make me hate it. Well, I just go back to last year was miserable to be doing three podcasts a week when, um, like what more could we say about this team in yeah. in mid November when the same things were just happening every single week like it's it's not that my love for podcasting went away or my you know liking to to cover the team or anything like that changed it's just it was just such a grind because the season was just the same game over and over and over again and you couldn't, you couldn't say anything new like, after after every game. It felt like we were beating dead horses in every episode. Yeah, and no one likes to do that. I mean, sometimes it's nice to 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 do that if it, if there's just if you get pleasure from it or whatever. If you're but, into like animal cruelty, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, who isn't? Um, I am very much not, for the record. <laughs> but uh, thanks, but, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, yeah, it it came up in a conversation earlier today, so you know. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it got to the point where it's just like beating a dead horse. I, I, I dread having to beat those same dead horses this season. I dread having to have the Clay Hilton conversation over and over and over again, because that's what, that's the conversation we're going to be having. And 
that that's ultimately clouding my perception of the Washington game, the Notre Dame game, like the Stanford game, the BYU game, the Oregon game should be really fun, actually, in theory, if this were a normal USC season looking forward to games in a normal USC way. But instead, everything is clouded by this like this the looming dark clouds of of the sort of storm that's coming so it's it's been a little bit weird like when this kind of question gets asked like like i have to like separate that side of me which with the fan side of the 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 optimistic alicia side that that's like yeah i mean washington's gonna be great and notre dame the lead up to it's gonna be fun and you know this that and the other thing uh which i would rather linger on but also, <laughs> I can only fall back on that so much. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and uh, get to the rest of these mailbag questions. You've got mail. All right, let's get some more questions from David Orange County. He says, what are your thoughts about the changes to Salute of Troy? At least the Salute of Troy is now going to be at the Coliseum instead of Cromwell Field. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because they're going to want to show off the Coliseum uh, renovations, which will be, will they be totally done by, I know that they have to be totally done yeah. by the time the Rams. The Rams play, I think, on the 24th. Yeah, so so they'll get to show those off. I think it's a really good idea. Like, I think that'll be a very cool experience for the people who go to Salute to Troy. Yeah, and I think that it's it's a um, a subtle way of bringing people around on the thing, um, because I, I think when 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 people see the Coliseum for what it is, and and you know, if if you take out the idea of them moving seats and all that kind of stuff, the the renovation is fine. Um, it's the it's the history of the Coliseum, and it's the you know. Uh, Bill and Mary moving their seats because they 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 didn't upgrade their their Trojan Athletic Fund that was being you know surcharged and all that kind of stuff. That all sucks, one hundred percent. No one's you know super happy about that, and rightfully so. But I th- I think that the amenities that are coming at, at the end of the day are going to be enjoyable in them in of themselves for what they are if you're able to take advantage of those things and the the people going to salute to troy more than likely are going to have access to that stuff and more than likely those are going to be the people who were affected by having their seats moved too so you might as well try to bring them along and nudge them along in a way that's going to have them see the new Coliseum before the first game, before it becomes a total freakout when it's something different and people don't like change and change is always hard to overcome. Yeah. And like, it, it's also one of those things where I think it, it either way, it's smart to have it at the Coliseum. And the way I say this is that one of my favorite things about going to the spring game every year when it was at the Coliseum, when it was available to be there which is being able to be in the Coliseum as a fan is nice to me. Like, I just enjoy being in that stadium. So holding it in the Coliseum makes a hell of a lot more sense than holding it in Cromwell in the first place. Because then you get to have that, uh, there's there's like a, I don't know, there's like an energy that's there even when there's no one in the stands. 
And so I, I think that that's the, I mean, I think they should keep it at the Coliseum is basically what I'm what I'm getting at. Like, because if I were going to salute Troy, I would be much more excited about being able to be in the Coliseum than having, you know, than being at Cromwell Field. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. Uh, let's go to Dave's next question. If there was a fantasy game where a USC wide receiver went up against a USC cornerback, which historical matchup would you want to see the most? Oh, um... This is the huh. extremely tough question. Um, can can we cheat and say Ronnie Lott against Mike Williams? <laughs> no, I'm totally game with that. I, I am completely fine with that. It'd be fun to see who'd win. Because Ronnie Lott, I think, could cover Mike Williams. That That's what I'd want to see it. Be- I, because I, it, cause if I went out here and said, like, oh, Nikel Roby against Mike Williams or Adore Jackson against Mike Williams, I don't think Adore could cover Mike Williams. I don't think it'd be fair. No. when Well, I mean, I just I came across a, a highlight video of um, of I think it was against UCLA when Mike Williams caught a, 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 a touchdown right at the front of the end zone. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. It's the most disrespectful touchdown catch I've ever seen. And I know I've seen it before, but like it's been a long time since I've seen that highlight. And it's just it's the one where he does this the um the salute after it, which yep. is definitely the kind of thing you see more often. But they rarely show you the full catch in those little snippets. And it's just like this little little child trying to cover Mike Williams, and he just like bunny hops to catch it and just sort of like stands there like he's in practice or something like that, like nonchalant. And it's like just as the if most... there's a traffic cone in his way. Yeah, yeah. It's just so disrespectful. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. And and I don't think he would be able to do that against Ronnie Lott. He could do that against a lot of DBs out there in college yeah. football. He could do he that against Nicole to... Roby. He, he could yeah, do he... that against Brian Kelly. He couldn't do it against Ronnie Lott. Yeah, he, he'd have to At give least not that hardest... Easily. Yeah. 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 So that would be the that would be my pick. Yeah. And then you could also say Juju against Adori in practice was always fun too. So Very fun. Yeah. That would be in there as well. Uh let's go to Dave's final question. Uh how about a call cut commit for Brian Kelly, Urban Meyer, and Chip Kelly? If you know what call cut commit is, it's like MFK. You know that game. Mary F. Kill. Uh, except it's call, cut, commit, because we've changed it and footballized it. Footballized it? Does that work? Yeah, it works. Yeah. So um, call is the um, the short-term flirtation. Uh, cut is the kill. That's the thing you just want to get rid of. And the commit is the long-term uh, commitment, or the marry in the sense uh, so call, cut, and commit Brian Kelly, Urban Meyer, and Chip Kelly. I hate this trio. I don't want to pick. <laughs> I definitely call Urban Meyer. Okay. And, <laughs> uh, I I think I'm... Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm having to do this. I think I married Chip Kelly and I kill Brian Kelly. Jake, have a heyday with that. Yeah. Well, basically, I'm I'm putting it in the in the perspective of I don't think Brian Kelly is a national title winning head coach. I think Chip Kelly is probably closer to it than Brian Kelly is. Um, I should be marrying uh, um, Urban Meyer, but no, that marriage will end after three years and in 
not good circumstances. So I hmm. so was so, a Chip Kelly marriage. So I don't know. What, I mean, if I wanted a long marriage, I'd marry Brian Kelly. But I also don't want a long, loveless marriage where I don't actually ever get a national title. So I don't know. This is difficult. I'm marrying Brian Kelly. <laughs> I'm absolutely Have marrying Brian Kelly based on what he's done throughout his career at every level. Um, because I want to marry Urban Meyer, but there are things that make Urban Meyer difficult to marry, and I can't do it. Yeah. So I'm gonna cut Urban Meyer as much as it kills me. Because I've said before, like if there was no baggage for Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer is number one the coach that I'd want. I've made the argument on this podcast before that he's better than Nick Saban. Like I will go to bat hard for Urban Meyer if he didn't have baggage. He unfortunately has baggage, so I gotta cut him. Um, Brian Kelly's the commit. Chip Kelly is the call who has the potential of being flipped over to the commit. If Chip Kelly is the Chip Kelly that was at Oregon, that's who I want. That's who I want to commit to. If he's the Chip Kelly who was at the Niners, then hell no. So that's why I would make him the call. So that way it's not a long-term commitment until he proves it at UCLA. Yeah, I really don't think there's a good answer to this, to be to be quite honest. I I think this is an impossible call cut commit. I'm it's unhappy with all versions of this. That's right, basically uh, what I'm saying. So let, Dave, come on. Speaking of impossible questions, let's go to a question from Redetroit contributor Alex Polk who says USC says they'll let you have free range on hirings and firings in the next twenty years. In all sports, but all you have to do is successfully pull off a heist in Las Vegas. Pick four current or former USC players to help you in the field and one USC media member who plans and directs the heist. I know who I'm not picking. Who are you not picking? I'm not picking a current, uh, I mean, a, a, a former Trojan great who may have recently spent time in prison for not for pulling off a heist in las vegas yes yes so not him Um, you're not gonna pick him yeah okay Uh, this is a very slimy question i feel slimy for giving these answers but uh, you go okay the first pick is bryce dixon oh my god no, he got caught, Michael. <laughs> you're, you're going about this wrong. <laughs> but there's experience there. Oh, my Lord. And then I'm going to go with uh, Owen Hansen, the ex-USC football player who had the <laughs> drug and gambling ring. No. You mean the USC star? Yes, yeah, uh, USC star. Yeah. Former USC football star? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Jack Jones. Um a fourth person? No, I'm just going to ride with those three guys, and I, I, I can't think of a media member that I, I'd want to lead the thing. So I'm going to pick myself, just because I don't want to pick anyone and throw anyone under the bus here. Because um, at right. least the you, players, those players, have already thrown themselves under the bus. <laughs> so I don't have to feel too bad for picking you, them. You, you are going about this the wrong way. USC wants me to have free range on hirings and firings for the next 20 years. So I'm going to do this right. Oh, I am going to pick Ryan Abraham as wow. my media member okay. who plans and directs. Ryan has built a media empire at uscfootball.com. He was an engineer in a past life, so mm-hmm. you know he's smart. 
And I believe he could be the mastermind behind this Vegas heist. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, then, I, I, I like the rationale of he's smart and cunning and you know that he'd have the ability to do so, well, to, to pull off something ingenious. He, he I don't would. know that we, we want to be out there saying that, that Ryan can pull off a heist in Vegas. That's it's a little <laughs> It's a, little a compliment, sketchy. Michael. It's I'm, a compliment. I'm waiting for the DM. I'm waiting for the DM. I'm waiting. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Uh as for the as okay. If I pick current or former players, if I pick former players, do I get them in their USC like bodies or do i get them this is not a realistic scenario so sure okay i get them in their prime okay if i'm going with dudes in their prime i'm getting ronnie lott i'm getting pat hayden okay ronnie lott Wait, he's why just... pat hayden pat hayden was like he was like a road scholar or whatever and he could be like the 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 smart guy or whatever that leads the crew he's the the what's it called i'm trying to think of oceans 11 like comparisons there's always that i've that, never seen oceans 11 so don't spoil it for oh me. geez okay never mind um okay i'm going ronnie lot either way because he was the goat so if he was the goat in football he can be the goat in vegas heist um, we're going Troy Palomalu because every heist crew has that soft-spoken dude who's also a badass. So that's Troy Palomalu. Okay. So those okay. are my two. I'm nixing Pat Hayden because I'm I was overthinking it. Um, we got Matt Leinart to be the face. He's the pretty boy. Uh, so he's my fourth, my third, and then for number four, I'm going Adori. Because he's kind of smaller. He, I feel like he's nimble. He could be the guy who, like, does the acrobatics or whatever. Um, and so he's my, he's my fourth. So I've got Ryan Abraham planning a heist with Ronnie Lott with um, – who else did I say? I said Matt Liner, Adore Jackson, and um, – Jeez, uh, who was my second? Uh, Troy Palomalu. Troy Palomalu, the quiet yeah. guy. Yeah, so I forget him. Yeah, there you go. That's my high screw. I think they pull it off. Okay. You, you, I prepare for the hate mail. I, I'm just waiting for the hate mail. <laughs> it's a compliment, everybody. Everyone loves Ocean's Eleven. We we like everybody in those crews. The Italian job, you were rooting for the people doing the stealing. It's okay. Heist movies are fun. All right, I'm just waiting for a comment that we'll get from some random listener and be like how could you not pick clay helton he's stealing all that money i'm I'm just i'm waiting for that i i I know that comment's coming oh you know it you Uh, do know it you you know usc twitter has thought that before uh let's go to a tweet from sean uh what's gonna be the next show that gets the rot on got treatment i was just having this conversation with my brother who only listened to rot on got of all of the podcasts i produced that's the only one he listened to and he was asking me that same question, like, so what's the next, like, rot on Chernobyl? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'd have to figure out something that that was only on during the off season. Yeah. Because we still are in, the, we're still planning to do Westwood on Westworld. Maybe Michael might be out, but I think Jake and I are still on board I, with this. You know this. what would be interesting if maybe in the off season next year we do an old show. And we do 
uh, like one season, one episode per season. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I get that. Where we where we just sort of do a, a so, one off. No, no, like. like like for instance. So I'm binging Breaking Bad right now. Yeah, it's five seasons. So if we did Breaking Bad, it would be five episodes. Where we discuss each season. Yeah, maybe it'd be six episode. episodes, and the last one would just be like a, uh, you know, a final recap thing. But the first episode would be the first season. The second episode would be the second season, and so on. Yeah, I mean, we just have to find the right show because. I know you want me to watch Breaking Bad, but I still have no. I want you to watch to Breaking watch Bad, and I want you to watch The Americans. The Americans have been yeah. telling you about for freaking ever, and you just you have, and I can like The Americans is a great show. I I I I You've fully just been acknowledge your sweet it's ass great. Time. Come on, I just I struggle with it because I I don't want to root for the Russians. <laughs> you just said you you liked Ocean's Eleven because you're rooting for the bad guy. Yeah, but they're not Russian. <laughs> what do you have against Russians? Didn't you just watch Chernobyl? I was born. I was born in 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 uh, in when the Berlin Wall fell. <laughs> I haven't watched Chernobyl yet either, so that's on my list. All right, I have lots uh, of things on my list. Let's let's go to a tweet we got from La Fred who says this is I uh, well he he mentioned us after David Orange County answered a question from Scott Derrickson that said name your the five films you've seen the most times. And L.A. Fred says that we, he suggests that we should answer this. So Dave's answer is number one, Rocky Fork. Number two, Frozen, because he says he's got kids. Number three, Monsters, Inc. He says, like, crack to three-year-olds. Number four, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And number five, Payback, what can I say? 90s Mel Gibson was the shit. That is a very interesting list. <laughs> um yeah, I, you you go, Dave. You go. You do you. Um, for me, it's five prob- films you've seen the most times. Okay, I don't know if this is in order necessarily, but these are definitely the five: um, the Princess Bride, the Shawshank Redemption, um, hmm, Legally Blonde, um, oh, what is- I don't see you watching Legally Blonde. Oh, I love Legally Blonde. I can really? quote that movie left and right. I love that movie. Um, num- also in that same vein, Miss Congeniality. Mm-hmm. And... Remember to sing? F- yes. Uh, and then uh, maybe it's like... Maybe it's... It's... Uh, oh, Fool's Rush In. Fool's Rush In. Was that with um, with Matthew Perry? Yeah, Matthew Perry and and Selma, uh, Hayek? And Selma Hayek. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a fa- that, it's a it's I a saw favorite that in the theater. Of, I see that, that it's like a movie that I feel like no one but my family like. It's one of my family's all time favorite movies because, like, culturally we just get it. <laughs> uh, but it's like one of those movies that like it wasn't big at the box office and it's not considered one of the all time greats. But for my family, it absolutely is. Like we quote that we like my parents joke with each other like they quote like you're not my favorite person right now and uh and all this kind of stuff like it's just my favorite thing culture you call this culture guacamole and a ghetto ghetto blaster in the middle of the desert (sighs) i love that movie sorry you have to start quoting it already but all right (laughs) it's a good list um i've written down one two three four five six seven 
because I can't pare this down to five. I can't figure out what I've watched the most. Um, for sure, the movie I've watched the most ever is probably A Christmas Story. Uh, that's a good one. Um, it's on every year. You have that's to watch actually, it every that's year. That's actually a good times point. A year. Christmas, Christmas movies might be, if you actually, like, you know, you know, you and I always talk about how it would be really cool to have stats on our lives. Yes. Like. By the uh, way, I just downloaded the new, um, the new, it's not new, it's like five years old. I, I just downloaded GTA 5. Uh-huh. And I'm super excited because I'm like, ooh, lifetime statistics. Yeah. Yeah. All of, but all of those things are really cool. If you actually had like lifetime statistics, I would wager that a vast majority of people might have Christmas movies among their top five because it's something you're going to uh, watch you every watch year. watch it every year. Like, I watch yes. Love Actually and It's a Wonderful Life every single year, and I have every single year of my life. I can't say that I watch Full Russian every year. I, I, I right. actually you might. You might go five but, years between watching it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Christmas Story has to be probably the one I've watched the most. The other ones on this list, uh, remember the Titans? Oh, that's a good one. Major League Two. Titanic? Really? Yeah. If I'm flipping channels and Titanic is on, and if it's after they've hit the iceberg, I'm in. If it's before <laughs> they hit the iceberg, screw it. So half of Titanic. Yes. It's a great movie from when he draws her to the end. Because when he draws her, it's literally when they hit the iceberg. That's yeah. What, that's the reason I'm saying that. Just clarifying. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, But about a boy and Fargo and Superbad. Mm. Good ones. Uh, about a boy is a movie that if I'm flipping channels and I see it, I always stop. Great movie. That's that's Shawshank Redemption for me. Never seen it. Never. No. Oh, it's so good. It's I don't it's even know what's really about. Genuinely good. Uh, it's about prison. Uh, I don't care for prison movies. <laughs> it's not like a. I don't know. I guess it is a prison movie. It's really, really, really good. Like. I it's probably my favorite movie of all time. Hmm. Okay. It hits all the notes. It hits all the notes. Also has a lovely score. Anyways, that's gonna wrap up this episode. Uh, we've gone long. We've gone talking about weird things. Uh, so we're gonna end it right there. We'll be back next week to talk about more USC football. Potentially put a button on the Bruce McCoy stuff if he's able to come to an actual decision. We'll see what's up with that. Until then, listen to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansite.com. Send us your questions, your ad inquiries, or whatever's on your mind. Our phone number is 213-373-1872. And Alicia, now's your time for the final word. The final word is pizza. The only good thing about New York is pizza. So for the longest time, I used to be anti-New York pizza. I don't want to completely take that back because thin crust pizza, I think, for the most part, is not remotely preferred. I, like, it's a lesser pizza. 100% it's a lesser pizza. But I think that if it's, if it's got some weight to it, like a Costco pizza has some weight to it, mm-hmm. a Costco pizza is... It's a big slice, but it's also not thin, then I think that that's exactly what I would like. I like most pizza. Even though I had I had Luminati's over the weekend and it was great. So, mm. so good. Though we will see you until next week. See ya. See ya. See ya.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.